0: Hello and welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Meg Berryman, and you are listening to the Beyond Being Well podcast, a show dedicated to helping women leaders like you take your wellness journey to your wholeness journey and beyond. Joy in me as we explore relationships, work, money, health, and purpose, and interview the best of the best in women's empowerment so that you can love deeply, expand fully, and contribute to a better tomorrow. So let's get cozy, settle in, and dive straight into the magic. Hello, and welcome. This is Meg, your host, and I am so excited about giving you, gifting you this podcast episode. Today I'm interviewing the wonderful Katie Nicole. Katie is an accomplished life coach, she's an NLP practitioner and she's a speaker and her passion is inspiring others to see their greatness, helping others to embrace all of who they are so that they can begin to love themselves inside and out. And Katie in this episode really opens up about her own journey from self-harm and bulimia to being in a place of truly loving and being reverent to her body. And we explore all the ways in which we don't show up for our bodies and all the ways in which that impacts our lives. The reason why I wanted to bring Katie onto the podcast is because I believe that as women leaders, it's really easy for us to be very focused on our legacy, our career, our work in the world, or our parenting. And we assume that the relationship we have with our body doesn't truly reflect like the larger things going on in our lives. And so I thought it was really important to just open up a conversation around how important it is for us to develop a loving relationship with our body and Katie and I dive into that in this episode about what our bodies are, why it's important to treat them well and how we can go about beginning to foster a loving relationship rather than one that's filled with loathing or hatred. So I would love you to listen. Let's get started. Hi, Katie. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Meg. It's so lovely to be here.
0: It's really nice to be having a having a chat, midsummer evening chat with you today. Um, Katie, I wanted to share a little bit with our listeners before we dive into the questions. How I came across you and your work, um, and then dive into the questions, but. I saw you last year at Seven Sisters around this time and you were presenting um, around body love and I was sitting in the audience and I was like, I've done this work, right? Like I've so done this and I'm at this really good place with my body. and, And then I just sat there and listened to you and was like totally mesmerized by the way in which you spoke the clarity with which you spoke and it was so moving for me. And it really like brought me to my knees in a really beautiful way and just was so humbling for me to realize that this stuff is so lifelong and that there's layers and layers and layers. And so there was this time in the speech when you literally walked around the tent with your clothes off. Right. And It was just the most profound thing, not only for me, but for everyone in that space. And I know it was such a deeply touching experience for everyone there. And I remember coming up to you the next morning and like fangirling you and was like, that was fucking amazing. (laughs) And you were like, please just leave my personal space.
2: (laughs) Oh, I hope I wasn't. No,
0: you weren't at all. You were delightful, but it was like, (laughs) I just couldn't contain myself. But, um. But what I wanted to do is kind of reverse engineer this conversation. So take me back to that moment before this session at Seven Sisters, when you know you're about to walk out into this space of women who are very open and do that. What were the thoughts and underlying the thoughts, what are some of the beliefs that you had that allowed you to get to a place where walking around naked was something that you were totally comfortable with?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't know if, if the term totally comfortable with is exactly <laughs> accurate. Yeah. Um, That's what it looked like from I the share, outside. I share that with complete honesty because, because that, that experience at the Seven Sisters Festival was just as healing for me as it was for, for the participants, for, for, for yourself being in the audience. Probably... I reckon five or six years ago, it dropped in for me to have, I had this image of coming out on stage at some point with no clothes on. And and it, and it, it resonated so deeply with me that that if we can look at each other with love, then we can find love within ourselves. And and like I was nervous, particularly that, that, I did it twice at the Seven Sisters Festival last year. And the first time, it was the very first time actually that I was got to deliver my content to an audience that I knew would receive it really well as well. So it was the first time I was sharing my story in terms of what, what I've experienced in my life with my body. And to me, it was a matter of and continues to be a matter of being the example. Mm. I, it's it's so important to me that us as women see other women imperfect and in our power i i share in the in that particular presentation around the fact that a body like mine is always seen as the before picture mm. and something to be ashamed about because it's not um flat or thin or or it doesn't fit into the mold of what is considered aesthetically beautiful so to speak and I know that there's so much shame there that we only we only tend to look at bodies that are perfect and know that they're worthy but any other body that isn't perfect isn't considered worthy in our society and it's really important to me that I change that
2: Hmm.
1: one person at a time.
0: Or many people at a time. Or case. many people
1: at a time. <laughs>
0: I I have to say that like I walked out of that and um just wanted to get naked immediately myself. And uh, you told me recently that like a lot of people have shared that that they just like yeah. now their life goals are to just like get get in their undies and and walk around. Yep. <laughs> How does that make you feel that 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 has a resonance that this message is? so is hitting a nerve so deeply uh
1: I distinctly remember those all those comments flooding through from people just being like my body's amazing I I I want I'm so comfortable in my space now and and Meg I can I can honestly share that it that has been overwhelmingly humble humbling that through my pain and through my journey and through through hating myself so badly that I wouldn't have ever considered my body to be valuable, to be able to stand there and to have people have people step into their own power because of my example. That's that's humbling to me more than more than anything else. I am that along with gratitude. Um, for the gift that I've been given of of the, the, my pain, mm. it's really powerful.
2: So
0: let's go back to, let's go back to your pain and and, and share you know so there, so there's a a belief and a series of thoughts around like being the messenger and being the example, as you said that gave you the courage to do that. But mm. what was that story maybe five or ten years ago around your body?
1: Yeah, look, I even think from a little from a little kid, you know, being – I remember being nine years of of age and wearing a T-shirt over my bathers yeah. because because I butted really early. So by the time I was nine, I had 14 B breasts and I, I looked very different from a very young age. By the time I was 14, I looked like I do now. I had, you know, I had double D breasts and I was six – you know, five foot ten. And so I always looked very different to what everybody else around me did and and it was always this pervasive message that big and fat equals less than and unworthy. And I think that even being five foot ten in itself was big. And and so even if I was um quote unquote skinny, I was still tall and this giant kind of person. But I never really felt comfortable in that because all the women around me, all the girls actually, let's be more accurate there because of the age that I was, were small, (laughs) even just short and and not developed. So I became very uncomfortable in my body from a very, very young age. And I think by the time I hit 16, I, I was also 100 kilos. So I was quite overweight and it sort of started the journey of I need to lose weight in order for me to be valuable. I need to lose weight. And, and over the next, I want to say 10 years from 16 to 26, I lost 125 kilos off and on over the years. I would, I would put the weight on, I would lose it. I would put the weight on, I would lose it and Meg, the whole, the whole while thinking that if I could just get to that goal weight, if I could just get to that ideal body, if I could just reach perfection, then, then once I get there, I'll be happy and I'll find the love that I'm looking for. And every time I went on this cycle of of losing the weight and putting it back on, my self-esteem worsened and, and the way that I felt about myself was even harder than what it was before. So I took a quite a severe downward spiral. And by the time, by the time I must have been twenty-seven, so we're talking nine years ago now. Ten, yeah, about about nine years ago, uh, I got to the point where where I was so sick of dieting and so in so much pain around dieting, and so much shame and guilt that one day I, after a, a binge, after a point where I could not contain myself anymore and and control my urges to. Eat that kind of food which I'm sure that many listeners can re- can relate to I I started I started purging and for, for seven odd years while I while I I went through this process I would binge and purge on a regular basis and I hated myself severely along that along that path and and it's actually quite funny. As I became a coach, um, I was still I was still binging and purging, mm. and I was healing myself through the process of of helping others and healing others. And I think that that's what we continue to do. But probably in the last, I would say five years, for the last four or five years, I I decided I, I found something within me that uh, i doing a lot of the work and seeking mentors and coaches and i got to the point where i was like i don't want to do this anymore
2: mm.
1: there's got to be a better way because this self-hate stuff isn't working
2: mm.
1: and and i'm miserable and losing the weight wasn't help- helping changing my body didn't help so maybe changing my mind would and that sparked sparks the the real inner inner work that i've experienced over that the last however many years to come to a point where I could then stand in front of 200 odd people in all my glory, <laughs> um, inspiring others to, to accept and love their body.
0: And it, and it really did and continues to do because the thing that's really struck me in that moment was that we were all looking at your body with such love and absolute like, could see the true beauty in it. Right. Like, and that's what was just so profound. It's like that just with the changing of our mindset, the thing that you see in the mirror looks totally different or the thing that you see on another woman looks totally different. And so tell me about some of those mindset shifts that allowed you to start to, I guess, go on that journey of self-love.
1: Yeah, look, I – what I discovered was that we don't just hate our body. There seems to be this separation with us that, that our body and, and who we are are different. There seems to be this – what's the word I'm looking for? Disconnect with our bodies. And and certainly I believe as women we, we – we do have this disconnection from our bodies because because they're objectified that from a very young age we learned that a body our body needs to be be beautiful um, or not or, or or not you know there's there's this sense like you know from from my my brothers and my father and the men in my life my body particularly wasn't allowed to be beautiful but mm. but to other men i had to be beautiful mm. So it always felt like my body wasn't mine, and it didn't belong to me.
2: Mm.
1: It was, it was to the, for, I suppose, for the purpose of the metal gates. And look, this is by no fault of any anybody's in particular. It's just unpacking where the where the thoughts and the mindset came from. So, so for me, taking ownership of of this divine body that has brought me here, and really being. You know, I know it sounds quite cliche, but the, the the gratitude around the fact that my feet walk me everywhere mm. and my knees help me to dance as do my as do my wide hips and and that you know my my belly helps to, to to make a really good cuddler and my arms get me to hold the people that I love. So I think one of those one of those fundamental foundation shifts was beginning to understand that that it is my body, and that when we hate our bodies, there's parts of us that we hate,
2: mm.
1: and and that it's a relationship. It's not. It's it, yeah. I, I, I share in in at, at Seven Sisters Festival. I'm not sure if you're a member about the fact that I understood that I was in a long-term abusive toxic relationship mm. with myself, mm-hmm. and recognizing that, and was like, wow, okay, so this is a relationship. And one that I've only ever been taught to dislike and to have toxic. Mm. And it, it it occurred to me that hey, if I'd been taught how to do this, then maybe I could learn how to do it differently. I and love. I
0: yeah. Sorry, keep going.
1: And I just I just think that that's probably a huge catalyst that that the the learning. It's the biggest empowerment that I give to all of my clients. Is that. You're not broken. You've just learned how to do it a certain way. Yeah, totally. And so therefore we can learn how to do it differently.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's a, the thing that we talk a lot about on this podcast is, you know, <clears throat> hashtag patriarchy, like it's not your fault. Context is extremely important in how we view our bodies and I love that point you made about that we learn to be separate from them and that they we learn that they're not really ours because if they were really ours and if we were really in them and settled in them how would we do the things to them and talk about them in the way that we do right like I just as you were talking like all of these flashes were coming back about the laxatives and the purging and the and the diet pills and like all of these things that I've done to my body under this illusion that it's something that it's not. So tell me where you've got to now with like, what is your body? I mean, I know you said that it's a vehicle for you to walk and whatever, but like on, I guess, more of a spiritual level, Uh, Janine Roth talks about ending the war, right? So like ending the war, what do you know your body as now?
1: Yeah. Wow. And I, I like the, you know, the ending of the war to me is the realization that there was never a war. Yes. Um. That 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 my body is the, is the greatest communicator for me. That that my, well that I think Meg that my body is me. Yeah. It's it's not this separate thing. And and I appreciate that from a spiritual level. You know, we we are. More than our body, so so I recognise that as my spirit and my soul is much more than what my body in this physical plane is. But here and now, as Katie, I am in a body, mm-hmm. and I'm experiencing my body. Mm-hmm. And so what it what it means to me now is um, I'm I'm just taking a moment to look at it as as it is. And sort of seeing my belly hanging out a little bit over my crop top because I like wearing crop tops.
0: I'm wearing a crop top too because it's it's really hot.
1: So yeah, just
0: hanging out here in our crop tops. I love
1: it. Yeah. And, and look, that's something that I would never have done. And I have my moments, I, I, I think, continuing to understand that my body is me. Hmm. And and it is it has wisdom. The body is so wise, it, it stores so much of, of our emotions, and it's the way that we feel. When, when we think about our feelings, not necessarily well, our emotions and our feelings, we experience them in the body.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, when someone talks about feeling happy, we can actually physically say, well, where, where is that in our body? And we can feel it in our body.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We talk about our gut instinct. We talk about, oh, I've got a tight, tight chest or a knot in my stomach. Our body is the thing that allows us to feel. Mm-hmm. And if we're disconnected from that, then we're not in touch with our feelings. So when we're not in touch with our feelings, we block out our feelings. We're not we're not connected to who we are in the truth. So to me, my body is is my ability to be able to be human, because mm-hmm. that's how I feel. I feel through this gorgeous body both kinesthetically in terms of touch i can touch and experience things but more so that my emotions are the thing that that i experience in my body what a gift
0: what a gift and i love that it's like the vehicle to have a human experience i mean the five senses are in our body they're not in the spirit they're not in the quantum realm (laughs) they're in our body the five senses and so yeah i love that I love that and as you were talking i was looking at mine and and it's so nice to be settled in it but tell me about some of the things that you in your work with clients and maybe in your own experience um like keeps us disassociated from it in a way like you mentioned the emotions has it been a journey for you to be comfy with some of the shit human experiences in order to stay in your body
1: oh hells yeah Mm. hells yeah Uh, look i Trap that we do when it comes to to disconnecting from our body is 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 remaining in our head and 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 it's funny because when I first work with people I need to dig into the disconnect because the 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 ego or the mind that's that's I'm kind of pressing my head right now that's up in the head is is very different to what's happening down in our heart very often and. Our, our minds and our thoughts are creating our experiences. And so when we've been conditioned over a long period of time from our parents, from the world around us, society, media, hashtag patriarchy, however we want to say where the conditioning has come from, the conditioning is created when we're very young and then we continue to reinforce it with the thoughts that we focus on. Yeah. So what a lot of my clients don't realize is that we, we have the capacity to navigate those thoughts. Most often people have the thoughts running around in their head. They don't even hear them. It's just noise up there. And then sometimes when we do it, they're really mean. And those voices can be so hard and we just get trapped in our head. And, and one of the very first things that I help to do is to be able to settle the ego down to be able to validate what's actually happening. So when a thought comes up that might be something like, and many times I experience this, one of the most pervasive ones that I've ever experienced in my life is you're a fat piece of shit. This is what comes up. I'm fat, therefore I'm a piece of shit. I'm unworthy. Probably isn't a word that I would use in my ego. It's just that I'm a piece of shit. So when that's happening in the brain, we tend to think that it's true. Mm. Because we we don't have any other reference mm-hmm. point. So first and foremost, being able to recognise that 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 thought is happening, and and being able to disassociate a little within our brain to be able to go, that's an that's something that's happening. It, it is the conditioning, not necessarily the the truth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I really help people to realise that first and foremost that that we can validate that. So when that comes up for me now, and one of the techniques I teach is you know, the voice comes up and I say, Oh hello, mean voice. Oh hello, fear, hello anger, hello hello, whatever the emotion is that I'm experiencing kind of in my head. I hear you, thank you for your contribution. I love you. And that's that's that is such a simple technique, but is really difficult to do.
2: Mm.
1: And now we're starting to take control and be the one that's in charge um i I've, I've read before that that our minds are like a border collie they they want to go to work but if it doesn't have direction the border collie will make absolute terror mm. absolute terror like they're a working dog they need to go to work and they need direction and leadership and if we don't have direction and leadership in our minds the mind will run rampage
0: yeah
1: so it's so important that we learn how how to begin to take the ownership again.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And think and, and be responsible to uh, navigate and choose different thoughts. Right. Because I think what you're describing is um, these cyclical patterns that the more you dive into this work, you realize these learned emotional responses to thoughts. Uh, Right. And so you think that it's your feelings and in the spiritual world, particularly around the feminine, we're like, honor the, honor the emotions, right? But this is where I get conflicted because yes, honor the emotions, but sometimes uh, those emotions are coming from such a pile of horse shit in your head. Yes. <laughs> and then that emotion is reinforcing the horse shit. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? It's like, when are we ever going, and this is why I love NLP and like the work that you do. It's like you, you actually have to take ownership of saying yep. I am fucking sick of this cycle. Yep. And I'm choosing a new thought because that influences the emotions, yeah. I and mean, that influences matter.
1: It understand? entirely does. Mm. And and, and you know, I I love this. I remember I remember it dropping in for me one day. I was driving in my car, and I was I had this thought pop into my head, and it was about about unworthiness and related to a specific situation that's happening in my life. And what I noticed was this thought occurred clearly in my head, and then I felt it in my body. It came, like I felt that sick feeling in my stomach. And immediately my head produced another thought. Yes. (laughs) Which produced the feeling again in my my tummy. And none of this I was, quote unquote, in in control of. It seemed to happen to me. And I kind of caught myself. And I went, hang on a second. The thought is producing the feeling. Which then encourages the same thought.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I've just got this image of you in the car, like, having this, like, fully, like, like, confused moment of looking at your body, like, WTM is going on here.
1: <laughs> well, and I was, and I'm driving along talking it out, as I so often do. At least these days it looks like you're just on the phone. <laughs> Which is funny. And so I'm going, wow, what, what is happening here? is that it, it, that it's looping the, the thought is informing the feeling the feeling is informing the thought and i'm like well why do, why do i jump back up to the thought when the feeling is there and what i discovered was the feeling was horrible <laughs> 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 the so feeling that came about me of this unworthiness the thought was a thing, yeah. <laughs> but the feeling was horrible. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to face the feeling. I didn't want to feel the feeling. So instead of feeling the feeling, Meg, this is what we do. We jump back into our head and think about the feeling. Yeah. Feeling. yeah. And at that point, we think we're facing the feeling. Yeah we're not we're we're stuck in a cycle of thinking about the feeling yeah when when we're courageous enough to step into the feeling and stay with it stay with that feeling and i don't mean um wallow in the feeling but be with it as if it was your best friend like if your best friend came to you and was like oh my god i feel like such a piece of shit you know, some of us are like, no, of course you're not, et cetera, et cetera, If we're holding the space really well for a really good friend, we sit there and go, I hear you, sister. I hear you and I hold you. And I know that's not true about you, but I know that you're feeling that. Mm. And so to me, as you said, honoring our feelings isn't necessarily believing them. Yeah but it's witnessing them it's being present with them
0: it's interesting like as you were talking there's there's just really like the the more work i do the more i can distill it re- down to like one feeling and a series of thoughts associated with the feeling right so i started noticing this thing i'd get up from a sleep or in the morning Or, um, if I'd had a nap during the day and I'd go to the fridge, (laughs) like it was just this unconscious habit. And I started being like, what is this, what is this? Right. And getting really curious. And it was like thinking that I was going to the fridge because of the emotion, but actually it was the thought when I woke up, which was I'm tired. And a lot of my, um, my patterns are actually around that one thought I'm tired right? And, and it's so interesting, but we all have these, like I call them the motherships, you know, these mothership, like beliefs or emotions or thoughts, which kind of running the show. Um, so I think it's really cool that we went there. Cause I think a lot of, there's a lot of uncertainty about this emotional stuff about like some people are telling us to, to like believe them. Some people are telling us to bypass them. Some people are, and I love how you've distinguish that that it's about holding space for but not getting drawn into the vortex of more thoughts and more feelings
1: yeah because when we can sit in in what's interesting and i like the distinction between emotion mm. and feeling mm. because feeling is the sensation right so the sensation of me feeling unworthy is an emptiness in my stomach the feeling the feeling of unworthy is the sensation that I'm experiencing is that is that void. That's how it feels for me. Mm. And then the emotion is, is a, an all-body-encompassing thing that includes like – like to me, the emotion is in my head because it's the thought that's associated with the feeling. Mm. The perfect example of this is, is nervousness and excitement – are the same sensation in our body.
2: Mm.
1: When we're excited for something, our heart rates up, we're feeling a bit sweaty, the heart, you know, like we're, we're breathing shallowly. When we're nervous, the the, the sensation, the feeling is the same. Well, what creates the emotion is the thought that we attach to it, mm. the meaning that we make that feeling. So when we can just sit with the feeling and experience it as a sensation and allow it to to be witnessed and pass through our body, and maybe if we want to give it some love and return it to the light, if that's so way inclined, then it passes far quicker and it's resolved far easier than when we get stuck in that loop of making it mean something. Mm. And, again, this is where where that's the first step for me when I work with clients is to be able to help them to understand that they They're the ones in
0: charge of their thoughts. Which is a scary concept, right, (laughs) to take ownership of that. But so, so, um, such a worthy pursuit, I think, as we all are trying to continue to peel back the layers of all of those thoughts and and emotions. I like that distinction too. Tell me, um, what do you want the change in the world to be around you? And then what do you see your part in that as because I think this podcast I'm really about trying to catalyze women to be the leaders they already are right that we're all innately leaders and we can all innately hold space and we all have these qualities so taking that work from the individual into the collective what world would you like to see and then what's your role in that do you think
1: great question I, I, I feel for me that and I felt really strongly about this ever since I was quite a quite a little kid. That that we we wouldn't have outer war if we didn't feel it internally. Mm. So the world that I would love to live in and that I'm contributing hopefully to creating is that that I help create people that their consciousness understands that they are divinity in form Mm -hmm. and that they're whole and their behaviors are not them. and and, And because if we, if we can come to a place where we love ourselves and ideally even unconditionally, we can unconditionally love ourselves and our capacity to be able to do that for those around us increases exponentially. I can't tell you the, the the experience that I have. My relationships with other people, as a result of my incredible relationship with myself, has has improved, and the people in my life are phenomenal.
2: Mm.
1: and And the way that the, the way that I have the ability to manage conflict, manage um, you know hurt and pain and opportunities for healing, is profound because because i remember who we are mm. you know when you when you say about the leaders that we already are we are mm. you know there's 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 a collective here we 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 are all united we are all brothers and sisters in this in this in this journey and when we can understand that we are the ones that can co-create our lives for for ourselves first and foremost then that ripples into the world mm. And so that's the kind of people, self led people, that then teach other people how to be self led. And maybe that's professionally, you know, sometimes I work with healers and coaches and that kind of vibe of people. Sometimes it's just that they pass it on to their kids and their family members.
0: Mm. Which is and they just become
1: the example. Yeah. I love that. And so my part in that is is the I suppose the work that I do, the more the more I learn how to unconditionally love. I what I share with all my clients is that I, I I teach what I experience. So none of the things that I've asked my clients to do, I I I always have done it, or I'm still doing it, or it's not. A, I will do it. It's I've done it, or I'm doing it right now. And I suppose a good example of that is I was on the phone um, with a client and I was encouraging her to, to, on our phone sessions, sit in her bikini just at home and just be around herself in her bikini because she found it so uncomfortable to be in public with her body that I'm like, well, you need to get comfortable with it first. So let's just hang out in your bikini. And, and she came to the session and she wasn't in the bikini. And I'm like, cool, let's do it. And so we did it together. I actually got naked. So, <laughs> so in a, in our in our session, the whole time, the hour or so that we were chatting, I was naked with a headset on, and and she was in a bikini. I and love because, it. Yeah, like I, I just I wouldn't ever. Uh, I live it. I know it. I've lived it. I experience it, and and uh, it, to to me. Uh, I'm just a little bit further down the path, so I can I can be a guide.
0: A guide's a beautiful um, a beautiful way of putting it, and that you you are in spades. I wonder whether there's something in that, you know, about the that that we need to collectively. I think get more comfortable with our bodies. And part of that is, you know, changing our social feeds and just erasing the perfection and Mm. actually showing up in our truth and in our bodies. And there's nothing more beautiful and um, incredible than that. Yeah. But in terms of, I guess, thinking about a woman who is, done a lot of work maybe done a lot of wellness work some coaching some yoga and still in this place of hatred for her body can you tell me firstly the impact that that's having on her so that we really viscerally understand like what this is doing to us and yeah. then what you would say to her is like where to start on this journey uh, yeah
1: yeah yeah, so I mean, in terms of impact, in, in everyone that I've ever worked with and, and certainly through my own experience, it impacts every single area of our life. Our relationships, we don't let people get as close to us as, as perhaps we're yearning for. We, we, we keep people at a distance, even if that's through um, like dependency on people. We can be quite clingy, or the reverse is true. It affects our health because we're making decisions based on on fear and scarcity. So it's that whole, well, I won't be worthy until I'm 10, 15 kilos lighter, whatever it happens to be, so now I'm going to go on a stringent diet. And I often say nobody ever hated themselves healthy. Mm-hmm. The, the voices inside of our heads that are putting us down constantly can never produce a result where you're happy. And and so no matter what you do, no matter where you go, it won't ever be good enough. And this is the, you know, the poison of perfection is that is that people believe that if I just get to that point, then I will be happy. If I find that partner, then I'll be happy. If I get that job, then I'll be happy. And what ends up happening is that we waste our life And we waste our our skills and our talent and and we perpetuate the myth inside of us that we're not good enough
2: Mm.
1: because our self-esteem can never match feeling good enough. So we continually keep driving for the thing, but whenever we get to the thing, we can't let ourselves be happy because we don't think we're worthy of happiness. So we live a life constantly striving, constantly trying to grab at and thinking that, thinking that we're empty, when when that's all or just an illusion. The truth is is that we're whole.
2: Mm.
1: So it it, it's, it can be really extreme for people. It's it's from extreme of they don't have any relationships and they are severely depressed. So you know, for some people, it's just, well, I wouldn't wear that outfit, or I or I don't have sex with my partner anymore, or I do it with the lights off. You know, I, it's quite desperation.
2: Mm.
1: Is probably the most mild form of that. I so that I think answers the first part of your question around how's it affecting people. Mm. Remind me again about what the second half of the question was, and then, if like you remember.
0: Where to start? <laughs> like where to start on this huge, you know. Saying someone to someone like, just love yourself, babe, like as <laughs> yoga teachers do, right? When you're like,
1: please stop. You totally deserve it. You're so whole. Yeah. Really, you just have to, you just have to remember.
0: <laughs> but like, where to start? Where do we even begin to tear down this illusion?
1: Yeah. Yeah. As you asked that question before, what what came to me immediately was we have to understand that this is a practice. But it's uh, in the same way that, that we learn to walk and talk and put clothes on as a child, like that took us to get to the point where we can function in the world alone without other people. You know, they say that, 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 a, that a six- or seven-year-old, a six- or seven-year-old, if they were separated from their guardians, could survive. That's six or seven years of somebody else one-on-one being with them, teaching and practicing. Mm. And I think that we see this self-love as this, yeah, flick the kind of switch, I just need to choose it. And, look, there's an element of, of choosing it, but you have to start to undo all the conditioning.
2: Mm.
1: So so make, making a decision that you're going to start to practice. And that you'll make mistakes and that, it's, and, that, and that it is, you know, I know it's quite cliche, but it is that journey. It's a, it's a path that you're walking. And even for me now, like, you know, I've been walking this path for a long time and my relationship gets deeper and deeper. So, so where I would recommend that you begin is first and foremost practice listening to the voices in the head. Just so you're aware of what they're saying, because most people have no idea. Start listening and then and then practice some practice being kind. Practice as if as if that voice in your head was your child saying it to you. For those parents out there. If if this was a if this is a four-year-old that came to you and said, Mummy, I feel like I'm a piece of shit. Would you yell, yell at them and say, "What a load of nonsense! You're not a piece of shit. Don't be such an idiot." <laughs> Which is so often what we say in our head. We beat ourselves up for beating ourselves up because we know we shouldn't do it. Mm. Practice kindness, and, and and I don't want to give too much more than that because it's it is it is as simple as that. But that does not make it easy.
0: Mm. It is. It is a daily, hourly, 5 month. minute practice, <laughs> <It> <laughs> and you sick. can go through the whole range of "I'm a piece of shit" to "I'm a goddess" in the, in the hour, and that is the oh. the beauty of the feminine, right? But it's also yep. what makes it a practice.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, Katie, thank you so much. the The image that I have, like, upon departing this conversation, is one of you know all of us feeling like we've been grandly duped that we have come to believe that these bodies are a prison stopping us from achieving what we want when actually our bodies are the vehicle through which that expansion happens. And that's what kills me. Right. Is it's like, I see these women and I am one and you are one. And we're like this battle that sucks up so much energy and literally imprisons us is preventing us from showing up and being the change in the world that you talked about. And that is why this work and the work that you do is so enormously profound and valuable and why this work, why the body as a vehicle for your personal growth, like money and like parenting, like these are just different areas that we can look at and dive into to understand the patterns and the conditioning. So as we finish, Katie, what is, one last thing that you would like to share um, with the listeners that may be ready now and motivated and pumped up to like do this work?
1: Yeah. Wow. Um, What what came to me there is, is you don't have to do it alone. Mm. So find, you know, when, when I first started on this journey, there were coaches around, kind of. Not really. I think that I started maybe you know, 15, 20 years ago. I, I did a lot of personal development stuff with maybe Tony Robbins, but nothing specifically around how to actually learn the skill of building a relationship with yourself. Mm. And so I want everyone to know that it's a skill, not a talent. It's first and foremost, it is something that can be learnt and you can learn it. I promise you this. Everybody has the capacity to learn this if they have the willingness. So find somebody you that you jam with. Find somebody that, that is doing similar work or has done similar work that that you dig and that is that is aligned with you. And that could be online, that could be reading books, it could be, you know, finding a coach and working with somebody specifically. Find somebody. Look around you. There's lots of free resources. If that's where you're at, if you're if you're ready to dive in and, and commit to working with somebody, find the person that you jam with, and and have them help you, because people have walked this path before you, and know how to to help you to find your own way. You don't need to do it alone.
0: Totally. And in solidarity in our crop tops, like we're all doing it together, right? Find a, find a naked circle if you can, you know, get dive into it. That'd be profound. Um, Thanks Katie so much for your time and wisdom. And I could just keep this conversation going for hours because there is so much to explore, but I really appreciate you um, in what's a very busy week taking this pause and, yeah, sharing all of your wisdom and talent with
1: us. An absolute pleasure. An absolute pleasure.
0: And for more info on Katie, you can find her at um, www.moreconfidence.com.au. And, Katie, your Facebook page?
1: Yeah, so it's uh, facebook.com forward slash more confidence. Perfect. And so there is there's, there's a whole bunch of videos I post I post daily I I do videos and lives and both on the website and the Facebook page you can get access to a free ebook which is the 5 secrets to bulletproof confidence. So you know it's a nice little start with lots of free content around and you can have a bit of an explore.
0: Fabulous. Thank you. And until next time have a fabulous week. For more inspiration, connection, and exclusive invites to coaching and retreat opportunities, go to my Insta page at Meg J. Berryman or www.beyondbeingwell.com.